Uh, right, hello uh, everybody. Uh, welcome to today's podcast. Uh, my name is Adrian Boothy. I'm the head of trading here at Trend Signal, and I'm here with Jerry Miller. Good morning. Uh, so Jerry is the um, CEO, managing director of Trend Signal, and our chief market analyst, uh, and really um, our lord and master in all the things that have been going on last week. Because uh, there's been an awful lot uh, going on. Jerry's going to talk about it all. Lot to digest uh, in today's markets, as you might have seen, unless you've been living under a, in a cave or something. Um, because the stock markets are now in major correction mode, which is this title for uh, today's podcast and. Uh, um, well, look, you know, Jerry. Why don't we get straight into it? Uh, what What do we know? Tell us about last week. Uh, well, we know that the markets have been absolutely collapsing. Um, we, we We got lulled into a false sense of security, and we have been making the point in past podcasts that the market had seen too easily through to the resolution of the COVID nineteen mm. um, epidemic, and and I think that sort of concerned a lot of analysts. And I think. To see the market rebounding after the initial sell-off when we first discovered there was going to be a bit of an impact, it was then last weekend, I think it was in Italy, the, the number of cases mushroomed, uh, and in South Korea, I mean they've got something like two and a half, three thousand cases now. That's brought it home, that it is not just contained in China, it's spreading, it's in something like 32 countries worldwide now, uh, and that's the worrying thing for the markets. Well there was this weird thing sort of Thursday before last week or whatever it was that um, you know Apple came out and said actually this might be a bit bigger than we might think and yet we were just hitting we hit all-time highs on the S&P's yeah. and yet people were coming out and saying no it's all priced in all the risk is priced in how can that possibly be we're at all-time highs. Well that was a curious thing that was right A Apple said that they uh, were lowering their guidance for Q one sort of sp supply chain yeah sort of concerns, basically because said if you're trying to make an iPhone and you're missing one bit you don't have an iPhone <laughs> uh, so all, all the components are coming from sort of all different areas and directions um, unless they're all together there at the right time you, you don't have an iPhone and I think the market sort of ignored what Apple said well it, it didn't ignore what Apple said Apple stock price came off but the market didn't react too much Sort of confirmation bias in a way, isn't it? People see what they want to see, and they, they, yeah. they read their own book, they listen yeah. to what they they think, uh, and not what um, what yeah. goes against what they that, think. That's really. just Apple. It's not going to affect Google. It's not going to affect this. It's not going to affect that. But there we go. That was then, and now is now. Yeah, uh, and now is um, quite some sell-off, isn't it? And as I mentioned earlier, we're actually in a technical correction uh, now, which is we've discussed this before. Unless that's a ten percent move off its highs, although sort of tumbled a bit more than that really hasn't it Jerry? Yeah it's an extraordinary move really I mean there's some interesting stats from last week as well Adrian the we've, we've talked about the VIX before the fear mm, and greed gotcha. index uh, the, uh, the VIX measures the at the money volatility from the Chicago Board of Options Exchange to give it its official title but really it, it, it goes up when the markets are fearful and it goes down when the markets are greedy and complacent. Uh, last week uh, the VIX had its second biggest weekly increase, so that's uh, an increase in one week since October the 10th, 2008. That's the middle of, the, that's the sort of epicenter of the Great Financial Depression, or crisis, I should say. Yeah, I mean, if you look, um, so I've just brought up Yahoo Finance, which is a site that anyone could look at, that's why I brought it up here. But um, you can look at the VIX, it's that weird hat symbol, I don't know what it's called, Shift 6, yeah. um, we'll call it Shift 6, uh, VIX. 
have a look at that on Yahoo Finance. And if you go to the max chart here, you can see the extent to which we've we've been up. I mean, um, the high last week was what about forty? Was it forty-seven, forty-eight, something yeah, like that? Yeah, it, it peaked around um, that area. Which, frankly, it just doesn't really do very often. I mean, that's probably top two, top three rises in the last thirty years. You, 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 when you look at the long-term chart on on the VIX, these always look like sort of spikes that have come out of nowhere and go back from uh, to nowhere as it were um, but it's actually interesting regarding it, it's certainly the highest level since August I think 2015 um, but it, it's it, it really was expected I, I did, we didn't know what was going to cause this movement and we've always been saying that what it was going to be was going to be a surprise and when someone asked me what's that surprise going to be I don't know because it's a surprise <laughs> yeah. But the surprise, yeah. when it happens, was always going to cause a lot of um, angst in the markets because the rubber band was stretched so far. So when you get that uh, happening, when we got the coronavirus that re got renamed COVID-19, that's what's caused this big sell-off. I think there's probably more to come uh, between you and me, but it's going to get more volatile still because yeah. the central banks are now involved. So um, they're starting to stir and we've started to see a bit of action from, certainly from, uh, the Bank of Italy and the uh, Bank of Japan uh, and the Federal Reserve is something we'll be looking at as well. And of course, as the market gets into sort of free fall, it's just going to move faster and faster. I and mean, if you consider that you know people who are long, they're going to be putting stops uh, below certain lows. They're going to be having low long portfolios. And a lot of American investors, they're investing in their pension funds, their IRAs. They start to see it coming down like that. I think, well, I can't have my pension taking more of a hit. So they close out. And if, of course, if you're closing long trades uh, or buying positions, you're selling. And it just drives selling further. And it takes out support level after support level. It's more and more stop losses that are being triggered uh, that are activating prices moving down and down and down. And it just leads to such an accelerated move lower. You know, even every time you sort of look to these various support levels, it just went through them like a hot knife through butter, uh, didn't it? Yeah, it really. did. I mean, it, it's interesting what's happened with this COVID-19 epidemic. In the great financial crisis, the news sort of percolated out from the start with Bear Stearns, then you had um, Lehman Brothers, and then other things happened in early 2009, and we hit the low in uh, sort of March, April 2009. This happened immediately, yeah. and, as, and, and, and as soon as investors and fund managers saw the news, they then extrapolated out, oh, this is going to lead to a, 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 a slow, global slowdown, if not a global recession, and they immediately start pricing in the worst case scenario. Yeah. I think this potentially has got more to fall. Do and people ask me, do I think it's an overreaction? I think I probably do. But a lot of stuff is not known about this COVID nineteen. It could mutate. It could cause other problems. But from what I'm hearing, the mortality rate is sort of not much worse than, than flu. But it's obviously going to be affecting a lot of people. So the mortality, the actual number of people that could die from this, could be significant. Yeah. But it's just a, you know, it's a percentage there. Of course, you know thinking it could bounce or will it go back down lower it's all a relative thing isn't it I mean we've had a significant rally off that support level at uh, 24773 um, but in less than 24 hours but of course a bit of a dead cat bounce maybe and maybe it'll carry on a bit more maybe it'll go down yeah. to new lows the point is just keep your wrist tight really is what is what I would say just keep your trade size low because with increased volatility you know you just got to be aware that the, mo the moves are going to be bigger than they would normally be so keep your trade size smaller than it would normally be uh, to counter that. Uh, 
basically. And, and probably another bit of advice is don't listen to Donald Trump too closely, who, who's basically said, oh, I buy the dip. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, what we've seen here, Adrian, and you mentioned it, is we, we've had a, a now a correction. An official correction is where the market moves 10% from the high and comes off. Yeah. Now, we've obviously seen that. Well, what's interesting with this particular correction, it's one of the fastest corrections that has occurred in the markets. Uh, and this is some analysis provided by the Financial Times. And they expect the U.S. industries experienced the fastest correction since the Great Depression from July 1933. Uh, I don't think you'd be able to go that back that far. No, but, but it's just the size of that candlestick, really, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's hard, to, it's hard to see, you know, because I'm uh, compressing it up. But, but it's ridiculous, you know. And, and the, this sell-off that we've seen, because it is a surprise after a very long bull run it probably is going to be of a greater magnitude. So I'm not surprised to see the, the sort of the scale of some of these uh, short the, the, the sell-offs that are occurring. Um, but we did have a bit of positive news. Friday, um, we had the first signs of the central bank starting to stir. Um, we had not a lot of comments from them during the week, and there were some pretty amazing falls, Adrian, weren't there? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and I, th I think some people were thinking, oh, it's going to close on its lows on Friday, but out came uh, Jay Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, the US Central Bank, and he gave the strongest indication yet that the Fed was considering cutting rates. Well, I tell you what, it, it, either he's wrong or the market's wrong, because as uh, if you're looking at the screen now, Adrian's put up this countdown to the FOMC. It's uh, a look at um, how the Fed are likely to uh, react to current interest rate moves, uh, and at the moment, the forward rates for Fed, the Fed funds rates uh, are implying that the Federal Reserve will have to cut rates by 50 basis points. So that's two 25 basis points of cuts. It's a very aggressive move. That's what's priced in the markets. Mm. Will the Fed do that? Interesting. The Fed actually don't even have to wait till the 18th of March. It's possible if things get really bad that they could do an, an intra-meeting cut uh, whereby they do one without actually scheduling a proper two-day meeting for the committee they just do it by phone or whatever and they announce it, it could so it could be a bit of a surprise um, but I certainly think um, you, you know you, you you've seen a significant shift in sentiment towards what looks like now 1% cut in rates this year whereas when we looked at the beginning of the year I think the likelihood is was possibly one cut yeah but it's, it's shifted dramatically do you think then, if there is a risk of um, sort of a, um, a meeting like that, a shock meeting, if you like, um, before the 18th, that actually short traders need to be a little bit careful uh, on the stock indices right now? Because obviously, if they do cut before the 18th, um, that's going to be a bit of a surprise, isn't it? That should you would think that's going to lead to pretty yeah. pretty big impact on the market, right? It, it, it would be highly unusual. But let's just say that Friday afternoon. We were all looking at it. We, had, we were having the bets in the office about where the market would close that night. I, I felt it was going to close reasonably strong, uh, only because it had, we'd seen a lot of selling. Other people in the office thought it was going to close right down on its lows. But it turned out that just a comment from Jay Powell, who, who made the, what he did, what, he was asked what his view on rates were, and he said he would act as appropriate. And this is, the, so there's a lot of Fed speak that people have to interpret. And that's sort of a coded message that he's used in the past, which basically, when he says act as appropriate, he's gonna act in accordance with what the market is expecting him to do, because he knows that a, a, a rate is cut as expected. 
So uh, he's basically saying he's going to be cutting rates um, at the next meeting. Intra-meeting, wow, that would be fascinating if they did that. It do would, they do that very often? Uh, in unusual circumstances, they did it uh, back in 1994. They did, did it twice during the, um, well, they did it several times during the great financial crisis, yeah. yeah. They didn't, didn't wait to meet. Uh, well, they were meeting sort of on Sunday evenings and They'll stuff. They'll be talking all the time, won't they? Oh, good, them, yeah. So, yeah. You know, but it is interesting that, that, of course, the Fed don't want to add to the angst in the market by meeting as soon as the market falls because it looks like they're just trying to manipulate the market mm. um, but after a week's worth of significant selling it's odd that you didn't hear any stirrings from any of the central banks until you know friday and the weekend now we've had three we've had the bank of japan we've had uh, the bank of italy and the bank of italy have acted very interestingly they've actually targeted industries where they've seen significant uh, fall off in their revenues of more than 25 percent so it's quite targeted um, intervention, which is something that will have to be novel, because I think cutting interest rates on its own yeah. is just going to help the markets. I'm not going to, not sure it's going to help uh, you and me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting the sort of the likes of helping you and me, and this is a, a, a weird sort of story in a way. But you know, my my mother-in-law is really good friends with a, a someone who runs a Chinese restaurant, and um, I mean, the trade in the Chinese restaurant in lowly Northampton's way down. People mm. are just not going. And, you know, and he's the, the proprietor there. He's um, he's got a bit of a cough, but he's chosen to. He never has a day off. He's got a little bit of a cough, so he's chosen not to go in just in case it really panics everyone. But this is the sort of thing that'll be going on right now. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We did have questions in, our, in one of our workshops last week, where someone said, "Was it safe to go to a Chinese restaurant?" Um, the food doesn't come from China. I wouldn't have thought. I, I, it, it's sort of nonsense really but it is having a dramatic effect what's happening is a collapse in demand so this is a demand driven problem but it's also a supply driven problem so yeah. we were talking about Apple we've talked about in the past about Jaguar Land Rover was flying bits of for its cars in suitcases from China it's that sort of yeah. it's that bad at the moment and the, and the problem is if you haven't got the right components to finish finished products as it were then you haven't got a product but not just that not many people are booking flights at this stage not many people are going on holiday to Vietnam Cambodia Laos Hong Kong China uh, mm -hmm. or any long-haul flights so the probability of catching a, a virus uh, whilst commuting through airports where there are lots of people is probably quite high relative to where we are now but of course it means hotels airlines uh, cruise line, uh, the list goes on and on. Of course, the impact in the global economy is slowing down, it's hitting oil. So there's big, big ramifications. And to, to suggest that the Federal Reserve or the Bank of England or the European Central Bank could cut rates to cure that problem. We're not traveling, not because interest rates are high. Yeah. I'm not traveling, I'm not gonna travel because I don't wanna get COVID-19. Cut rates so you can save 25 uh, quid on your mortgage a month. Yeah. It's not really going to get you out spending, is but it? But Adrian, don't get me wrong, they are going to cut rates and they would, there will be a reaction in the markets. And of course, that's what we're interested in. But will it help in the medium to longer term? I'm not sure. I think governments have got to be doing this. This is not a central bank issue. Of course, everyone, when the markets collapse like they do, everyone looks towards the central banks and say, hey, come on, what are you doing? Haven't you seen what's happening? We've had the biggest fall in history. I mean, the Dow fell the most number of points last Thursday that it's ever fallen. Yeah. It's quite dramatic. In percentage terms, it's nothing like what I saw in 1987. So 
but it's still alarming and so they they will react and it will cause the market to pause you have this sort of counter trend rally that we've seen over the last sort of 12 hours but even that it, it then started to fall away didn't it an hour or so yeah, absolutely yeah yeah but i think the market is now probably got a little short-term basin because it will be aware that the central banks will be coming yeah. out and saying something whether you and i or anyone else thinks it's going to change anything out in the real world that's, i doubt it that's the point isn't it because now you've got Powell talking about those rate cuts and suddenly you, you think okay is the market are we in a better place than we were on friday now now that he said that there is a natural level of support yeah, there yeah. for, isn't it? Markets are cheap money, Ed, and that's another thing, yeah, you know. Well, uh, yeah. if, if you are going to buy it, you might buy a little bit more if the Fed have cut your rates, and so you can afford to get a bit more on board, but that's not going to affect you and me. Uh, the fact is, we're not going to go anywhere <laughs> if there's a threat to our families' lives and, and well-being. Absolutely. So what about the move then last week? What, what, what did it come through as? Uh, about 12% on the Dow, wasn't it? Yeah, it was some big moves. The FTSE was down... Um, Everyone said the FTSE was one that was beaten up the most, but actually looking at the numbers, 823 on the FTSE, down 11.12%. The Dow Jones, 3,583, which is 12.36%. Uh, uh, the S&P 500, remember that's 500 stocks, whereas the Dow's only 30. So they, they don't always uh, go to the same degree as it were, but the S&P, that was 11.5%. The NASDAQ, which is where all the tech stocks tend to uh, reside, uh, 1,009 points, that's 10.5%, but the DAX, see look at that, the DAX, 1,688 points, down 12.5%. The DAX and the German engineering companies and car manufacturers are so exposed to China, yeah. and there's going to be no let up now, you know. But there were some interesting moves though, uh, nevertheless, um, and a lot of it was, a lot of the really big falls were centred around the resource stocks, the oil companies got really beaten up with a fall in oil price. Um, a lot of the uh, hospitality stocks, is, you know, going from airlines or travel uh, to um, Carnival, the cruise line operator, to the hotel groups, all got smashed. Yeah. Uh, but probably quite rightly so. And there will be a number of stocks in there that have been pulled down with the overall industries. Actually, that will fare okay. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you think the utilities, you know, the sort of the defensive stocks there, I mean, people are still going to be spending money on electricity in their homes, aren't yeah, they? In fact, yeah, that's right. arguably, if they're all on quarantine, we'll be probably spending a bit more. Yeah. There were some notable outperforms last week. Netflix did rather well. Yeah. Well, there you go, all at home watching Netflix. Absolutely. And 3M, uh, and I thought, 3M, what do they do? And then, of course, I checked it. They manufacture um, surgical masks, so they're uh, <laughs> yeah. they're sort of quiz, and I'm not sure... Well, antibacterial, not antibacterial, uh, alcohol um, gel. Yeah, gel. well, the antibac gel, that's right, yeah. Antibac's no good, but it's the, um, it's the, it's the alcohol uh, gel right. you need. It's more than 62%. Okay. See, that's your, that's your solution. If you want to eat Chinese food, you just got to douse it in 62% alcohol and you'll be fine. Yeah, a bit of soap and water, apparently, is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I probably wouldn't what, wash what, my food in that. Though. What traditional people? Well, yes, okay. <laughs> well, I wouldn't wash my food in alcohol gel either, to be fair. Uh, and the currencies, I, I guess um, there's been a lot of that sort of risk uh, yeah. risk off, isn't there, this last week? So big, big moves everywhere. Yeah, a um, lot, lot of people wondering what's going on, but we've really touched on the reason. Obviously, we've just been discussing interest rate. Uh, but which are the, which are the most affected currencies like this? I mean, obviously, you know, resource stock, uh, resource and uh, economies that have a lot strong affiliation with China, so New Zealand, Australia. Yeah, they get mashed. Yeah. The uh, Aussie dollar, the Canadian dollar, and the New Zealand dollar, they all got, got hit pretty bad. And if you put up Aussie USD, you have a quick look at that. 
um, especially given where it's come from already. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it, it's. I mean, you when know. you when you compress these charts up, it really does look like it's fallen off the edge of a cliff. And what's interesting now is that, that there's a high uh, high chance that we're going to have a cut uh, by the Reserve Bank of Australia this week as well. We'll, we'll get on. To onto that in a second if we've got time but it's likely that they're going to be cutting rates midweek so that's got further to move possibly um, so what, what is the correlation here let's just be clear so Aussie dollar took a hit last week New Zealand dollar took a hit last week Canadian dollar, uh, Canadian dollar obviously very resource um, driven um, but strength wise you, you're really looking at uh, what the yen at uh, the yen and the euro yeah which is curious with the yen given when they raised the consumption tax their their GDP in Q4 last year literally fell off the edge of a cliff um, but it still goes to show that in, in extreme circumstances people have got no option but to pile into the safe haven that was and it's been less of a safe haven but if you, look, you put up the dollar yen chart yeah. at the bottom there so that's that's just mad, you know. And remember, when you're looking at the chart, you say, "Hang on a second. I mean, that's gone down. You know, what do you mean? Yeah. Are you, you're saying that yen's gone up? Yes, exactly, because it's the the inverse. Yeah, that's the uh, number of yen it? to the so dollar. So the dollar has gone down against the rising. Uh, yes, yen with fewer yen to the dollar means the yeah. yen strengthening. So that's really the dollar falling against the yen that graph. And there's no other reason apart from safe haven buying. Whereas if you put up your euro, obviously that's really a proxy for the dollar index. It, it's got about 56% of the weighting of the dollar index and the reason we re, reason why the dollar has fallen against the euro is because of expectation for a cut in interest rates yeah and you might say well hang on a second why aren't the euro zone cutting rates they can't they're at record lows yeah they're, they're the, the, the sort of refi rate I think is at zero but the actual um, uh, rate that banks can lend at to the ECB is something like minus half a percent so can you just explain just why uh, if the, the US they're more likely to cut rates now almost uh, yeah. very likely why would that lead to the, 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 the dollar okay so if you've got money in dollars it'll pay you a dollar interest rate if they cut that interest rate you'll be less inclined to keep that money in dollars it's as simple as that so it's called the interest rate differential so uh, you you're more likely so for anyone who's got money in euro who would be tempted to swap it out and invest in dollars, there's less of a reason to do that, especially if interest rates come up 1%. So people are more likely to hold it in euros or switch yeah. it into euros yeah. for the risk or whatever it may be. There's also another thing that's been affecting this <coughs> because the euro has been used as a funding currency. Uh, I can explain that by saying with record low interest rates, it's very cheap to borrow euros. So if you want to borrow a currency, a stable currency, borrow euros, and I'll charge you the absolute end of nothing. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. You then take those euros, sell them, buy dollars, buy Swiss, buy anything, buy sterling, and invest in a market that's giving you a lot better return. Yeah. Um, but what's happening now with the market imploding, obviously a lot of these trades are being reversed. So a lot of hedge funds and groups, uh, trading groups that have carried out that type of trade are now reversing it. They're closing out those investments, getting the proceeds, the fact that they probably lost, uh, swap, switching them back into euros, yeah. Yeah, 
which yeah. causes the euro to rally. So they're selling dollars, buying euros to close that. And of course, trade we're out. talking about people with uh, mighty big positions. So oh, uh, yeah. that, that's he hence it's just going to create yeah. more movement. Yeah. And and when it's a pretty scary time or, or fearful time, like it is, you end up with a slightly thinner market in terms of uh, market depth orders that are in the market there. So it takes. Know, it does scythe through those yeah. uh, those prices more quickly. You're, you're, you're right. Definitely. People tend to be all going one way. So whilst we only had sellers in the euro in um, the first sort of three weeks of February, there are only buyers out there now uh, yeah. because of what's happening in the marketplace. Um, right. Okay. Anything else to um, anything else to add, uh, um, Well, not not on currencies. Um, you know, I just think uh, it depends what the Fed say uh, in upcoming speeches and stuff like that. But uh, it really just depends on how these markets react. But I, I, I don't think it is over. Looking at what's happening in the markets at the moment, my suspicions are that anyone will sell into any sort of rally like we had this morning. But they will be a bit nervous about what could happen in um, uh, on the downside as well uh, in, yeah. in, the, in terms of central bank sort of announcements, etc. So what do you recommend for traders? I mean, one of the, the problems that so many traders um, have faced in their time is they look at a market that's just, you know, coming off as aggressively as it has, and they're thinking, oh, that must be a bit of a bargain down here. Um, you know, what, what, what should traders be doing now, do you think? Uh, well, there's no such thing as buying something because it's cheap. Yeah, it's such a relative term, yeah, isn't it? Uh, everything is cheap if it comes off and expensive if it goes up. Relative to the previous day or week or month or whatever, yeah. but um, you just got to be incredibly careful. Um, some the, the, because the markets have departed so far from where they were, it means that it, it's just highly unusual and anything could happen. The markets could rebound so far um, and not really give us a signal. They could carry on coming off and we wouldn't be able to trade either. But in a way, that's self-preservation. Yeah. That's telling us not to trade. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that is easier to, to consider at this stage is obviously short-term trading. Yeah. Well, there's some significant moves on things like the short-term charts. I mean, I was looking on, uh, I think it was Friday, the uh, the average shoe range on the Dow two-minute chart was, um, was about 50, 60 points or something. So it was bigger than the normal euro daily yeah. true range. Yeah, yeah. Two uh, on a two-minute chart like that, but of course that, that that means there's a lot more um, sort of opportunity for short-term traders. So, uh, but but probably smaller stake than you would do uh, ordinarily. The one thing that I would suggest is really have a mind of what the longer-term trend of the market is. You know the. When you're seeing the moves like this, it is so tempting, and we've all been there. We look at a market coming off and think, oh God, it can't keep coming off, can it? Um, but of course it can. And uh, the danger is that people look at a chart like we're showing here on the Dow, or you, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, um, you might just be, you might want to bring the Dow charts up for the last couple of weeks. You know, you, you'd have got crucified if you were yeah. trying to buy this. But what, um, what you've got to remember, Adrian, is that if you scrunch the chart up again, it, it, it hasn't gone back that far. It's remarkable, you know, actually, you know, isn't it? You know, if yeah. look at the FTSE. The FTSE, we're, we're back a year or yeah. more, two years. Yeah. But the Dow, we were here in sort of October time. Well, actually, we've gone through that now, but June time. June, it's, yeah, it's June not that close, far yeah. away. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, a market, I think, actually, is probably offering 
better value is probably the UK market. Yeah, we're, we're significantly lower than June uh, oh, last year, yes. aren't we? I mean, that, that's so you can see June, so FTSE, so we're, you know, best, what, sort of 8% yeah. probably lower than June last year, whereas we're about June's levels on the Dow. So we've yeah. we've taken our December 2018, we're, we're, level there. But When there's uncertainty, you know, we've got the start of these uh, trade talks this week. And remember, the other thing that's causing um, a bit of anxiety is obviously the weakness in sterling. But in a way, the weakness in sterling could help the FTSE. Yeah. But not whilst all the other markets are collapsing about their ears, that's for sure. Um, yeah, there's kind of a bigger picture going on, really. Yeah, that's there? right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, normally we'd do a feature in here where we'd sort of talk about the sort of the, the things to be trading, the things to be looking out for. You know, my suggestion really is just to calm down a little bit this week. There's there's, there's plenty of opportunities, but you know, just consider the trade size uh, that you're placing. That the volatility is higher. That means stop losses are likely to be considerably bigger than normal, and you've got to factor that into your trade sizing. So if your stops are twice as big as they are normally because of the volatility, you've got to be looking to half your trade size, and just don't be trying to rush into the market just because you think this is, you know, a once in a lifetime opportunity. It isn't. These black swan events, if you if you want to call it that. They're not where people are sort of really making their money. It's from the day to day, uh, and that's what you need to be focusing on: is normal market behaviour, not just sort of you know going in all guns blazing. Um, because you know we've seen too many times where people do that and they just lose money. Yes, know. what you what you've got to remember is this isn't a lot of speculators shorting the market. This is this is the trade. This is funds. This is long-term investors who are having to insure their portfolio yeah. against further losses. And you talked about it earlier on, there's a bit of a snowball effect here where falls beget more falls and beget more falls and it sort of turns into a self, a bit of a spiral really. Yeah. And that's something that eventually runs out of steam, like when the Federal Reserve sort of makes a comment etc, it sort of stops it in its tracks. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it gives time for people just to consider things more carefully, but uh, yeah, certainly I, I think uh, caution is the watchword. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, for this coming week then, I mean, it may all be uh, totally outdone by uh, any interest rate changes uh, that might come or any other central bank intervention, but what are the main events to look out for for this week? Let's let's put our normal hat on, uh, okay, shall we? I'm going to put my normal hat on, but I'm also going to say is that COVID-19, if, if the number of cases mushrooms in the United States this week, it will hit the markets. So no matter what data comes out, no matter what someone says here, that will also dominate what's going on. And that's what dominated it last week. Suddenly, it wasn't a Chinese issue, it was a global issue. And, it, and I just think, in the US, they've got a few cases, but nothing like as many as the likes of Italy, uh, South Korea, etc. And you think with such an open economy that they would have a lot more cases. So that is a risk. But anyway, yeah, so, so this week, um, We've already had something called the Cakes in Manufacturing PMI Index. This is the private sort of sector one that's done in, uh, and not the state sector one. If you actually go back to the Saturday last week, which Ooh. means going to um, February, click on February and the last one there. If you look on Saturday, we got the state Chinese numbers. 
Yeah. They're just extraordinary. Yeah, they're horrific. Can I mean, look at the manufa- non-manufacturing one. I mean, yeah, that's so fifty. Is. So fifty is the status quo, if you like. Yeah, that uh, means no expansion, no contraction. Above fifty, expanding. Below fifty, contracting. Twenty-nine point six. I've never, ever, ever. I've never seen a number at thirty-five point seven. Looking at the manufacturing. Presumably, one. that's a forty percent fall, isn't it? Yeah. Well, this is, is the reason. It's no, it's just huge. It yeah. means no one's doing anything effectively. Yeah. I've just never seen any numbers from any country that low, uh, and that's the reason why the markets last night. Uh, I was watching them at, at so eleven o'clock when they opened. They fell significantly. Yeah. But then it was they rebounded because the Bank of Japan. Injected uh, uh, liquidity, yeah, uh, and that's what saved the markets. But otherwise, that that those numbers are signalling a global recession. That's and that's catastrophic. Yeah, but and that's what the central banks and governments as well will be fighting. And and for us, I suppose it just depends on how much of that fall last week is factoring that um, global recession in. You know, isn't it really? Yeah. Well, but, but uh, that's I, that's a tough one to judge. Yeah, it is. It is. But markets are very quick to try and discount as much as possible where the effects may not be felt for sort of will be felt over the next nine months as yeah. but anyway so that cake cakes in one is a separate one that's done by a private company but you can see they were predicting 46.1 came in at 40.3 yeah it tells the same picture although not as extreme as the the, the, the own the state-run organizations but it just goes to show you uh, other than that then this afternoon we've got the manufacturing PMI Again, these numbers, unfortunately, are not going to be that relevant after all the equity collapses last week. So I don't think the markets are going to react off them, maybe. So the big ones to really look at is going to be the RBA statement, the Bank of Canada uh, rate statement Wednesday afternoon. Well, that's not said, but I'll explain why. So so certainly in Australia, this time last week, there was was going to be no cut. Now, because of what's happened, uh, the market has priced in a quarter point cut. So from... 0.75 to 0.50 and it will be the rate statement uh, that will be interested to read uh, when that's published but we'll find out about that when we wake up tomorrow morning Adrian and we'll see the effects on uh, the Aussie pairs as well Uh, but for for Canada jumping to Wednesday the Canadians tend to follow the US now you might think well aren't they cutting well the US aren't cutting if the US did a surprise cut, maybe the Bank of Canada would a surprise cut. Yeah. But I suspect they're going to wait until the 18th of March when the uh, Federal Reserve slash their rates by uh, 50 basis points or half a percent. Uh, so that's the reason why it says uh, 1.75. I may be wrong. Uh, and in fact, they may the Forex factor may be wrong as well, but that's what the prediction is. Uh, one and three quarter percent staying there for now. Uh, OPEC, I mean, obviously oil's been quite topical of late. Is that going to be uh, worth uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Worth keeping lo- on the radar? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of talk. That, this is their meeting in uh, Vienna where they're headquartered. Uh, the cartel love to protect their own revenues, so they're petrified about the price falling any further. Um, the price of oil has just collapsed in line with equities. Yeah. There's going to be a global slowdown. The demand for oil will shrink uh, in line with that. Uh, and these things are all sort of finely balanced, really. And if you're going to take away quite a lot of demand then they then OPEC's view is they're going to have to do something about supply so they're talking about cutting one million barrels per day which is quite significant yeah but as always uh, they love uh, you know fighting their own corner and getting them to agree on that might be quite interesting yeah absolutely um, I mean ordinarily uh, your old um, non-farm payroll change would be um, probably the, the, the most important item of the week but it's probably something that's not even on the calendar will end up being uh, so but but otherwise 
Yeah, it, it is something that's still market, important. Yeah, it's still important. It's normally, you know, along with interest rate moves, it's probably the, the most important um, data release of the month. Um, and it always happens in the first Friday of the new month. So the Friday the 6th is the first month of this month. Um, yeah, 185 new jobs. Um, we had a big number last month, and I always think that uh, you always get a bit of a, an outlier gets corrected the following month. And I wouldn't be surprised if that number's uh, in fact even lower than 185,000, which is still above the average for the last sort of 12 months. So we'll look out for the revisions on the 225. Yeah, it, 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 that's possible as well. But you know, 3.5% unemployment rate, multi, multi decade lows. So um, I, I just think this data, in, in light of what's going on with COVID 19 and the possible impending uh, pandemic classification then we've got other things to think about really yeah I think notwithstanding if we're, if we're focusing a little bit more on the sh some of the shorter term moves um, because of that volatility it, you know one thing non-farm payroll always does whether you're an economist or not is uh, create movement uh, in the market yeah. you know we're not trading it at you know 125 and sort of punting over the number or anything like that but what it does it creates movement that you can then trade after uh, the event and that's the that's the much better way to play this yeah, it, it creates that flux exactly there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much it, Jerry. Um, any, 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 Jerry Springer final thoughts? <laughs> oh no, not really. Uh, gold was an interesting one uh, last week. Someone keeps we've been asked several times about gold. Yeah, Gold's that got, got hammered, didn't it? It got hold, and everyone says, "Well, hang on a second. I thought gold is a is a safe haven. I thought people buy gold in this environment. Do you know what? You're right. But when everyone is selling." You've got macro funds selling all their positions or trying to hedge their positions. When they look at a position that's making them loads of money, they're particularly nervous. And when the sell-off started, anyone with a profitable trade on board was just selling it. Yeah. And it, and at one stage it was eighty dollars down on the day. Yeah, that's unreal. Isn't I it? mean, if you have, you know up by the stairs, down by the elevator, that is a classic one. And that's there is no real reason for it to stay down there apart from the fact that. People are just uh, investors and their funds are liquidating profitable positions yeah. to offset some of their massive losses elsewhere. Fascinating. Yeah. There we um, go. Okay. Okay. That's um that's pretty much it, really. So why don't you quickly just finish off? I don't think we have time really for the defining trading stuff uh, today. I think there's more interesting stuff to talk about. Um, but I'll finish off with uh, well, look if you if you want to learn a bit more about uh, TrendSignal and the strategies that we use here at TrendSignal, then why don't you tune into one of our live upcoming events? We've got three events on this week uh, where we'll be teaching uh, the three simple rules for identifying high probability turning points in the market. And we can apply that to FX indices and commodities. If you want to register your free place, then please do the following: uh, open up a web browser and go to bit.ly. So bit.ly slash learn ts. So bit.ly slash learn ts. Um, and if you would like to actually tune into more of these podcast events, then just search for the Trend Signal podcast uh, to listen to us on iTunes, listen to us on SoundCloud and Spotify, or you can watch and listen on YouTube as well, or our lowly old website, which is trend-signal.com slash trendsignal-blog. Uh, all the best, guys. Have a great week's trading. Keep your risks nice and tight. Cut that trade size according to the volatility, and we'll see you again next time. All the best, and bye-bye yes, for now. Bye now.